0: Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what's going on? This is Jeff Hartman, senior editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com with you for another episode of Let's Ride, your Monday, Wednesday, Friday morning podcast. And it's Monday, but there's no game to talk about. We already did that on Friday. And we all know how that game played out. That 36 to 28, the what a weird game that was against the Minnesota Vikings. If you're just coming around to listening to some of that content, maybe you were so disgusted, so dejected, so embarrassed, if you want to use that term, uh maybe go back and listen to Friday's show. That's where I went over the winners and losers and all that good stuff. Also, I know I had promised the fan base that I would do my heart to heart on Friday, because I always end the week that way. And I totally forgot. Uh, Friday morning was when I recorded Let's Ride. It was extremely early in the morning, like maybe 1. 30 in the morning. I was exhausted and totally forgotten. So as I'm writing my show notes for this episode, I realized I forgot Heart to Heart, so we will talk about that at the end of this podcast, so don't go anywhere. Before we talk about anything else regarding the Pittsburgh Steelers, I want to mention behindthesteelcurtain.com as I always do. It should be your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers, whether you like film room breakdowns, the latest breaking news, or maybe you just want some differing opinions. BehindtheSteelCurtain.com should be your one stop shop for all things Steelers. Also, your podcast platform. Let's say you are on the website, you see the article for the podcast, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, like this is good stuff. You found our podcast platform. But if you're just listening in the megaphone player, make sure, maybe you're on social media listening, like on Twitter, if you found a link that I posted, make sure you go wherever you get your podcast, search Steelers or Behind the Steel Curtain, subscribe, follow. You'll find us there. And that, whatever you have to do on that platform, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iTunes, Stitcher, Anchor, Pandora, Spotify, you name it, we're everywhere. All right. It was a rough weekend. Rough weekend for Steelers fans. Absolutely a rough weekend. It's tough to kind of put into words uh, what this feels like. And Steelers fans aren't used to this. We're not used to the, uh, the, the unknown that is every single week. Typically, as long as I can remember, the Steelers have been either really competitive. Where well, they've been not competitive. Like, I, I talk about the 2003 6-10 and 10 season that resulted in the Steelers having the 11th overall pick in 2004, which is when they drafted Ben Roethlisberger. But even in 2003, fans knew that this team's not good. They're just not a good team this year. This year has been crazy because I think we can all admit at this point that they're not a great team, but they're also not a really bad team either. And so when you have those two different, you just don't know what you're going to get. And think back to the LA Chargers game. Think back to this past Thursday night against Minnesota. You're talking about teams that were getting lambasted and then they find a way to claw their way back. And it gives fans a sense of not just hope, but it gives fans also this I I want to call it like a false sense of positivity or a false sense of, wow, look at what this team can do. We've all said it. We've all been there when we say, if they could just pick up where they left off, if, if they could just do that, then boy, they would be really tough to beat. And then week after week, we find out that they're not able to pick up where they left off, that maybe that is just a flash in the pan. It's tough. It is tough to diagnose. It's tough to discuss because no one really knows what's going on. But the one thing that came to mind, This weekend, I traveled back to my hometown of Wheeling, West Virginia, and I just got away from, I obviously, we still covered the Steelers on the site, if anything had to be reported, and uh, I just kind of got away from football. I didn't watch much football on Sunday, if any at all, and I just kind of want to get away from it. And I, I, that's what I told you all to do on Friday. If you listen to my Let's Ride podcast on Friday, I said you know, just take the weekend to just kind of decompress. The Steelers still have games left; they're still alive. Many believe that they are done, and that's fine. You can you're entitled to your opinion, but the Steelers still have games left. And so I, I was I was laying there, woke up on Sunday morning, and I just thinking about what I wanted to do in terms of this podcast, and and what did I want to title this podcast? And one of them was, is this the beginning of the end? Or is this a new beginning for the Steelers? Is it the beginning of the end, or is this a new beginning? Because I think that depending on where how you view this roster and this organization, you could argue both sides of this. You could view and argue that the Steelers have a really good young nucleus that they can build around and be very competitive for the next decade plus if they make a few good decisions both in the draft and free agency. And then you could also view it on the flip side. And you could say that you look at this team and you see a lot of older players that are getting ready to leave, and what's left is bare bones, bare cupboard, you name it, not good. And that even if they have good draft classes, even if they have you know good free agent moves, it's not going to do it. It's not going to do it. And so I decided, let's break this sucker down. Let's really break down, is this the beginning of the end for the Pittsburgh Steelers as we have come to know them? Or is this a new beginning for the Steelers? Let's start off where we should, and that is so far the performance of the team. And we're looking at this 2021 team. Are there any conclusions that we can draw? Anything that the team can hang their hat on? And I am honest to goodness, I'm not looking at overall rankings. Like the, the, to me, this is not about any other team. This is not about where the Steelers rank rushing or defensively. This is just what are they doing right now, and are they doing it well? Are they doing it poorly? And then we're going to take a look at the coaching staff, the front office, the intangibles, the roster. We're going to break it all down. And at the very end of this, before I get to my heart-to-heart, I'm going to talk about and give my answer for the question of, is this the beginning of the end, or is this a new beginning for the Steelers? All right performance 2021. Let's start on the offensive side of the football. I just looked at yards per game and I could have gone into Dave Schofield mode with stat geek and really tried to dissect yards per carry and this, that, and the other. No, I'm that's not me. If you've listened to this podcast, even once, you know, that's not me. That's Dave. That's why he does the stat geek every Thursday morning. I highly recommend you check it out. So I'm looking at rushing yards per game on offense. Steelers average 88.4. 88.4 that is not a great number you would love them to be over 100 but that's just where they are that is where they are passing yards per game 240.6 240.6 passing yards per game total yards per game 329 that is their average so far this season lastly points per game which in my opinion is the most important important number you know they always rank offense is based on yards I don't know why what's important is scoring points you don't win games because you threw for a lot of yards you win games because you scored a lot of points and they aver- they average the Steelers average 20.9 20.9 those offensive numbers are well they're not good I mean the passing yards isn't bad total yards is meh okay rushing yards is below the line we'll all agree with that and the points is below the line In in today's NFL, if you're only averaging 20 points per game, there's something seriously wrong. There's something seriously wrong. Let's go to the defensive side of the ball now. Let's look at defense rushing yards per game allowed 139.5. 139.5 yards per game allowed. Dave talked about this on his Stat Geek a couple weeks ago, and that is just how far this rush defense has fallen off of a proverbial cliff. Earlier in this season, they were a top 10 rush defense. And then it's like the floodgates opened and they can't stop anything or anyone. And now they've plummeted all the way down towards the bottom of the league, 139.5 on average. Let's not forget the last time we saw this unit on the field, they were giving up over 200 yards to Dalvin cook of the Minnesota Vikings passing yards per game. They're giving up 231.5. That's not horrible. Now, when you're looking at total yards per game, 371.3, 371.3, they're almost, I mean, goodness gracious, think about that number, 371.3 yards per game. <laughs> that's insane. And lastly, points, are, they're averaging 24.8 points per game. When you're giving up more than you're scoring, that's, uh, that's bad. So rushing yards, we know that's bad. Passing yards isn't bad. But then again, you look at that and say, well, why are the passing yards per game so good? Well, first, you have a good pass rusher in TJ Watt, good pass rusher in Cam Hayward, But also, why would they throw the ball or worry about throwing the ball, they being the opponent, if you can't stop the run? I tweeted this out uh, on Thursday Night Football. I said, why in the world would the, the Vikings ever throw the football? The Steelers can't stop the run to save their life. Run it right down their throat and keep running it because they can't stop it. Yet, what they do, they put it in Kirk Cousins' hands. He ends up throwing two costly interceptions, and the Steelers find their way back in. So still, but even when you look at total yards per game, 371.3, holy cow. That number speaks for itself. But let's continue with performance. I think that the turnovers and takeaways is a part of performance and is something to be mentioned. So far, the Steelers, as a team, have 13 takeaways, 8 interceptions, and 5 fumble recoveries. As for turnovers, they've thrown 8 interceptions and they've had 7 fumbles Do the math. That's 15 turnovers, 13 takeaways. They're minus 2 in turnover differential. And anytime you're in the red in that number, it's not not good. It is not good. You're going to find yourselves in deficits in games, and you see all these numbers, and it all adds up. It all adds up. I mean, when you think about it, the defense can't stop the run. The offense can't run the ball. The offense can throw the ball. The defense does an okay job stopping the run the stopping the throw stopping the pass the the Steelers struggle to score points and right now the Steelers are giving up a ton of points so what does this tell us about that overall arching question is this the beginning of the end or a new beginning right now you look at the offense and you ask yourself without getting into the roster we're going to talk about that in the second half of the show you're looking at a group that struggles to run the football passing is okay they're just very inconsistent defensively, the same inconsistencies, but in a different way. Can't stop the run, really giving up a lot of points right now, just getting gashed in a lot of different ways. I mean, if you think back to the first half of that Thursday night game, it wasn't just Dalvin Cook. Justin Jefferson was basically wearing a billboard saying, hello, I'm open, and Kirk Cousins was making some of the easiest throws I feel like he's ever made since going to Minnesota and being named the starter, considering he was drafted by Washington. That's what I felt like. I could be wrong, but that's what I felt like. And then the turnovers, I understand that takeaways especially are they come and go. 2020, the Steelers were taking the ball away at a ridiculous clip. They led the NFL in interceptions. And this year, they're just not happening. They're not coming easily. And when you think about it, you know, you lose TJ Watt for a lot of, he's already missed over three games total. Uh, when you think about Joe Hayden missing for a long period of time, it, it does hurt and hinder your opportunities that you have. You also add in that Minka Fitzpatrick might end up leading this team with tackles. Think about that. That's that's a damning statement in, in and of itself. If Minka Fitzpatrick leads the team, it comes close to leading the team in tackles, it tells you he's not in the deep half doing what he does best, and that is, baiting quarterbacks into throws and then taking the ball away. So ultimately the performance that we've seen so far, it's so inconsistent. It doesn't give you hope that this is a new beginning for the Steelers. It does not give you hope. Let's take a look at the coaching staff. Then we're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about those intangibles in the roster. And then we're going to answer this question. So you look at the coaching staff, Mike Tomlin, I wrote an article, a letter from the editor. uh, and, And that was published on Sunday. You want to go check it out. It was talk about, talked about the complexity of being a Steelers fan and how we all have differing opinions. Heck, go on Steelers Twitter, go to the comment section of articles on BehindTheSteelCurtain.com, and you will see, regardless of the topic, a vast array of opinions on the Steelers, whatever we're talking about in that article, in that podcast, on Twitter, during games, doesn't matter. Now, hopefully, we all want the same thing. We all want the Steelers to succeed. You might think that, like for instance, Michael Beck is is on this boat. And that's fine. It's his opinion. He's on the boat that I think the Steelers, if they lost more games, they would benefit in the long run. It would give them a higher draft slot, and they would be able to get better quality players every single time they have a draft pick in 2022. There is some theory to that, but that's just a theory. There's also those that think you never want to lose any games. You want the players to understand what it's like to be in the postseason, to be vying for a playoff spot even towards the end of the season, to gain that experience. That's important and that's valuable. There's logic in both opinions, but the, the the one truth is that we all want the Steelers to succeed. Let's bring this back to where I was. Mike Tomlin. There's no one more polarizing among Steelers fans than Mike Tomlin. Ben Roethlisberger might be second, but it's not a close second. No one is more hotly debated and talked about than the head coach of the Steelers, Mike Tomlin. And everyone has their own thoughts and opinions on Mike Tomlin being good, bad, or indifferent. But when you think about Mike Tomlin, he has been the one constant, the one consistent person since 2007. The only one that has lasted longer is Ben Roethlisberger, drafted no four. So when I think about head coaching, you might be sitting there thinking they need to get rid of this guy. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't think it's going to happen. So if you're sitting there thinking that the the new beginning for the Steelers has to be with a new coach, I'm going to have to disagree. Not because I don't think that it would be okay. I'm not disagreeing that they couldn't have some value there. For instance, if the Steelers were to say, okay, Mike, we've had a great run. You stayed here as long as Coward did. You've done some great things for this team, but we're going to go in a different direction. I honestly wouldn't be ridiculously upset, but at the same time, I'm just saying from my personal experience of following and covering the team, I just don't see it happening. Now, you go to the offensive coordinator, this is where things get dicey because Matt Canada was was Tomlin's selection. They wanted him. Then he was the quarterback coach under Randy Feetner. They chose him, and they knew – the organization from top down, from Art Rooney to Kevin Colbert to Mike Tomlin, that Ben Roethlisberger was not the best quarterback for Matt Canada's system. Everyone loves to bash on Matt Canada, saying he's awful and he's horrible, just get rid of him. But the reality of the situation is, can you, number one, judge a coordinator after just one year? And number two, can you evaluate a coordinator when the quarterback that he has, although great, is probably not the quarterback he would hand pick to run his offense. Everyone's going to have a differing opinion there. And then defensively, Keith Butler. You kind of start wondering and you start asking the question of, has Keith Butler been so successful so far in his career because of the phenomenal players he's had, meaning the high draft picks that he's had available to him? Think about what's happening right now. So, Stephon it, second-round pick, not available all this season, probably won't be available to be completely honest. He hasn't been there. They've kind of struggled. Then you look at, uh, someone like Tyson Aluolo, first round draft pick, not by the Steelers, but a first round draft pick hasn't been available. You look at Joe Hayden, first round draft pick has not been available. So when you have these injuries, you're sitting there wondering to yourself, is Keith Butler a product of the players that he has, or is his system being eaten alive based on the fact that those players aren't there to bail him out? This is definitely an interesting situation. Last person I want to talk about before we go into the break is Kevin Colbert. We all love to praise Kevin Colbert after the draft and early in a season, saying, look at this draft class. You know, look at 2020 draft class. There were only six players, but all six of those players made the team. All right, that's really good. That shows you had a good draft. Then you look at the 2021 draft, and man— all these players that made the team and they're contributing Najee Harris, Pat Friar, Kendrick Green, Dan Moore, Presley Harvin, Trey Norwood. I could go on, but then you start to ask yourself, are they having to play based solely upon the fact that they, it's basically out of necessity. Is that, is that why they're playing? For instance, is Kendrick Green, did he earn that spot? Or is he playing because they have no one else? And if they have no one else, That's just as damning on the court as the general manager as it is if you just have a good draft pick. So in other words, you're like, yay, you drafted Kendrick Green. Why do we need Kendrick Green? We should have had someone else. That's the same thing you're dealing with. So in terms of coaching staff in the front office, Kevin Colbert's going year to year. He's definitely going to be in for the 2021 NFL draft. I'm sorry, 2022 NFL draft. After that, maybe the Steelers say, hey, we're going to move in a different direction. I don't know. I don't know. But when we come back after this break, I want to talk about the intangibles and then really start to look at this roster, and then we're going to answer that question at the end. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. fans welcome back to the second segment of let's ride i'm your host jeff hartman and we are in the middle of going through the entire steelers organization really everything from performance so far this season looking at the front office and the coaching staff and just kind of figuring our way through this meandering our, meandering our way through this maze and deciphering whether this is the beginning of the end or a new beginning for the pittsburgh steelers and let's talk about the roster now this is probably the biggest part i, I broke it down to two sections old and young And so I had Dave Schofield help me out with this. And I was shocked at some of the age of these players. Like, did anyone else know that Trey Turner is only 28? He looks like he's 38. I'm 38. He's standing next to him. Trey Turner looks like he's an old man. I don't know. I don't get it. I don't get that at all. But still, I was shocked by some of the ages of these players. But I started to write down players that are considered old or have a lot of experience that might be on their way out or on the back end of their career. We'll put it that way. And then players that are young. So we're talking about players in their rookie contract that still have a whole career ahead of them that could be mainstays for the Steelers for years to come. Now I did leave off players that are not really significant contributors to the team. I'm thinking about players that are more, like I said, the mainstays. So let's go to the old first. Let's go to the old first. Uh, ben Roethlisberger has to top the list. He's the oldest player on the team, and most would probably assume that this is his last go around. Now he he could be. I could be wrong. The Steelers could say, Hey Ben, let's give us one, give us one more year. We think we can make, we have, we have a lot of money and free agency. You know, the, the salary cap is expected to go up to around, I think, a little over $200 million. And it dropped down to one eighty three. So think about that. Uh, they're going to have a, a good amount of money available. Um, and then you also say, like, we might not be able to have a good draft pick where we can draft someone that we think is going to be ready to play. We'd like them to be with you for a year. I don't know. They might. But right now, let's assume it's his last year. Then you have Trey Turner. Like I say, he's 28. Cam Hayward. Who I think is 30. He's definitely uh in the back end of his career. He has more, more, he has more years in the past than he does in the future. We'll put it that way, in terms of gameplay. Stefan Tuitt is the same. He's in his second contract. Tyson Aluwalu is getting up there in age. Joe Hayden getting up there in age. He's probably not going to be back after this season unless he takes an unbelievable discount to stay with the Steelers. Zach Banner is still young in terms of numbers, but I mean he hasn't done much. He's been hurt. That's not a good thing. Chris Boswell. Is, he'll be 30 this year. Uh, not that a kicker has to be young, but still, he, Boswell's playing his best year, basically. Uh, B.J. Finney is getting up their age. Derek Watt, I believe, is 29. So those are the older players. And so when you're looking at that that group, I mean, Trey Turner's only been there a year. Cam Hayward, captain Ben Roethlisberger, captain Stefan Tewit, very important. Tyson Alualu, Joe Hayden. You're talking about some big names, especially on the defensive side of the football. Then you go to the other side of the coin young players. These are players that most would say, okay, these are the players we are going to build around. These are the players that we are going to say, this is the nucleus, this is the core, and we're going to build from this. You're talking Najee Harris, Pat Fryermuth, Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, Kendrick Green, Dan Moore Jr., Trey Norwood, Devin Bush, Alex Highsmith, TJ Watt, Cam Sutton, Minka Fitzpatrick, Kevin Dotson, and even Chris Wormley. So when I look at that, yeah, there are some significant names on the defensive side of the ball that we're talking about. But then when you look on the offensive side of the ball, that's a young nucleus and core group of guys there. And so when you think about experience, yes, this past two seasons, we all, like I just said before the break, you can have a praise of Kevin Colbert for drafting players that are ready, But you can also have a criticism, the fact that the cupboard was so bare that maybe the Steelers had to thrust players into the lineup early. But even if they had to thrust them into the lineup early, they are getting valuable experience and repetitions that they wouldn't have had otherwise. So Kendrick Green might be struggling now. But if the Steelers think that this is their center for the long haul, the experience that he's getting this year will be invaluable in years to come. The same with Dan Moore Jr. And maybe Dan Moore Jr. is a guy that they thought there's no way he plays his rookie year. He's going to be a swing tackle at best. Now he's been the starting left tackle every game for every snap this season. He might have missed one or two snaps. That's it. Well, now all of a sudden you're getting a real valuable look at what he brings to the team and if he could be an answer as he continues to get better. The one thing that fans have to remember about this young core group of players and I don't care if you're throwing Cam Sutton and TJ Watt into this equation, Minka Fitzpatrick, is that they are still going to improve. Like Trey Norwood is a good example. He was a seventh-round pick. You don't think he's not going to get better in his second year? That he's not going to have a better understanding of the defensive concepts? That he's not going to have an understanding of what it means to play in the National Football League? All of these players are. Najee Harris, you think he's reached his ceiling already? No, Pat Fryermuth, get out of here. Even Deontay Johnson. Think about year one to year three for him. Totally different player. Totally different player. This nucleus, this young nucleus, definitely something that the Steelers have. But again, we revert back to that the front office. We're talking Tomlin, Colbert, Art Rooney II. They're going to have to really hit on some key free agent pickups. They're going to have to do that, and they can't. They cannot with the cap space they have available to them in 2022 they cannot just rely on the draft they're going to have to hit on some draft picks but they're going to have to bring in some free agents that can help this team win now that's going to be tough they have not had a good track record of doing that but when you look at the players old and young i like that young group not that i don't like the old group because i mean you look at someone like cam hayward he's not going anywhere Tyson Aluwalu is still under contract for another year. Zach Banner is still under contract for another year. Uh you even Stefan is still under contract. So you have these players, they're likely to be back. I'm not saying they're gone. The only players that I would expect to be gone would be if, like again, Roethlisberger if he is done. Trey Turner's only signed a one year deal. Uh Joe Hayden's in his final year. Uh Derek Watt would be a free agent as well. So you think about that in that regard, you do have a good mix of both. Now let's go to the intangibles. The Intangibles. A lot of talk has been made about culture. The Steelers' culture. You know, we listen to Troy Polamalu as he his acceptance speech into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we say, ah, that's so great. He talks about what it means to be a Pittsburgh Steeler. Is that lost? I don't think it's lost. I think that, for me, the Steelers' culture is derived from success. It is derived from winning. It is derived from being the teams that are the cream of the crop in the National Football League. You have to get there to get that. And when you think back, for those that were around for those, you know, the 80s teams, which I only read about, I was born in 1983. So I was not around for a lot of those years. Did those teams have the quote unquote culture? You know, Bill Cowher's early years had early success. So they, they had that Even those early years, 94, 95, they're both AFC championship games, 95, they lose Super Bowl 30. So there was that there. This young group hasn't even won a playoff game except except for Roethlisberger, Cam Hayward. They need that success. And this all ties together. It all ties together. Okay, it's time to do the dirty work here and try to figure out the answer to the question. Is this the beginning of the end or a new beginning for the Steelers? Now, Dave Schofield would say it's both, but you can't do that. You can't have that answer. I think that it's the end of an era in regards of Ben Roethlisberger's era, but I do think this is a new beginning for the Steelers. If you look back in history, when Mike Tomlin has had mediocre average seasons, he's not there long. He's not there long, and then typically what happens is a couple years later, they start to get things put together again and they start competing. And you saw this in, you know, go back to those eight and eight years. And then you followed up with some really successful seasons in 2014, 2015, all the way to 2017. That was the killer B era. Now we know that didn't equate in a Super Bowl victory, but still, that was another era. I think this is a new beginning for the Steelers. And we can all sit there and complain and bemoan about Chase Claypool and Devin Bush, and all these young players, but if they can mature, and they can continue to develop, then what they have built is a really good young group. Now, this is where things can go wrong, is if they are banking on some of these players being more than what they actually are. So, Devin Bush's downturn in production has been awful to watch, Based on the fact that you know that he's so much better than that, but again, he was injured. You can't understand what that means to a player, both mentally and physically. If, Ke- if they believe Devin Bush is still the guy, well, th- then they can build around that. Sometimes they say, well, we're going to build around this player, and that player doesn't turn out to be able to carry that unit, and that's a problem. Again, it comes back to the front office. So we know that Kevin Colbert's contract goes from draft to draft. So he's already locked in for the 2022 NFL draft. After that, he said he's going to reevaluate. He's year to year. Keith Butler, they said, is year to year. I could see a change at defensive coordinator. I really could. I could see eventually a change at general manager. But I just don't see Matt Canada being axed after one year, and I don't see Mike Tomlin going anywhere. And I think that's okay. I think that's Okay. You do want some level of consistency. For instance, if they get rid of Butler, I wouldn't be shocked if Terrell Austin is promoted to the defensive coordinator spot. That's consistency. That key, they, they love promoting from within. You might hate it, but they love to do that. We've seen it time and time again. We saw it with Matt Canada, and if this were to happen, it would be the same. And I wouldn't be shocked if the GM, when Colbert is decides that he's done or the Steelers tell him that he's done, if they promote from within. Omar Khan or someone like that. But I do think this is a new beginning for the Steelers. These are just kind of growing pains. These are the growing pains that have to happen with some teams. And if the Steelers' growing pains, if you think about this, if the Steelers' growing pains are mediocrity, not being completely inept and awful, but just being an average team, then we're, we're pretty fortunate. We're pretty fortunate. And then some of these holes are going to be bigger than others to fill, like Ben Roethlisberger, but still... That's the end of that era. It's the beginning, of a new era. A new era is beginning with the Pittsburgh Steelers. I, tr- I honestly do believe that. I honestly do. You might be listening to this saying, Jeff, you're nuts. You're off your rocker. Wouldn't be the first time, but that's what I believe. I want to finish up with a heart-to-heart. So as I said, I was back home, and my family and I were going for a walk, and all of a sudden my phone buzzes, and it's our Slack channel. It's Dave Schofield. And Dave Schofield, um, it was a screenshot of an email that he had received from an account of someone that used to be in our live chats all the time on YouTube. Uh, his, his name was Dennis Sheridan. And for those of you that are also listen, they also listen to our YouTube shows, and if you're ever live and in the live chat, you probably know that name. Uh, it was news that Dennis had been diagnosed with cancer and that he passed away last Sunday. And the fact that his wife knew enough about us and knew enough about Dave to send an email to someone she doesn't even know and say, I just want to let you know that Dennis passed away quietly at home last Sunday. Uh, For me, it tells us that what we're building here behind the steel curtain is very, very special. Uh, It's a family like atmosphere. It honest to goodness is I, I want fans out there to feel like they know every single person that is a part of this organization. That's not just podcasters. That's writers that you can kind of feel what they're feeling with their writing or their podcasts. And if we can develop that and continue to cultivate that, that's what's going to separate us from everyone else that just puts out content and doesn't care about their listeners. We do. And clearly, Dennis cared enough that somehow his wife knew to email Dave and tell him, I just want you to know. And so for me, I want to finish this up with an appreciation for fans like Dennis who obviously no one really knew that he was that sick. We had had people in the live chat say like, oh, has anyone heard from Dennis? And someone's like, no, I haven't heard anything. And I think Dave even reached out at one point to see if he was okay. But still, uh, I, I want to say that you know, Dennis rest in peace. I uh, hope you got to see the Steelers beat the Ravens, uh, that one last time. If not, I'm sure you were twirling that terrible towel up there looking down at that to 2019 win, which I still want to savor. I still want to savor that win. So, okay. Sad note, but it is worth talking about. I, I appreciate all of our fans and our listeners out there. Uh, behind the Steel Curtain's is a very special place. There's a reason why when I left for two months over a year ago, I wanted to come back right away. It's a very special place, very near and dear to my heart. So Dennis, you will be missed, my friend. All right, folks, that does it for me. You know how we always finish it out here. Be safe, be kind, and God bless. I will see you on Wednesday. Be on the lookout for the mailbag. Go yes, see yes.